Hello and welcome to In No Particular Order. I'm Matt, and today I'm joined by Tyson, Michael, and David. Hello. Hello. Hey. So this is our uh, In No Particular Order is our game dev podcast where we talk everything game dev all over the place. So today we're talking about storytelling in video games. Um, we so for those who may not know, we, our first uh, I guess published game was Hail and Ballad of the Blade Thief, which is a first-person action platformer with a very, very heavy narrative. Um, whereas our second game <laughs> is The Blob's Fight, which has uh, no story whatsoever. So um, we have At some... Ex- not an overt story. Exactly, yeah. So we have, we have experience making both narrative and non-narrative stories, um, but we also have experience playing mm-hmm. narrative stories. So um, our, I guess our first, story, our first uh, question, sorry, would be... Um, one that's very important for storytelling is uh, who's your favorite video game character? It's a tricky question. Uh, Halen. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Un- unbiased. Unbiased. Bam! <laughs> Dropping um, some hard truths here, game industry. That's a tough question, but... Okay, well, uh, I think for Maybe me, not your, your, your number one, but one of them. For, what's he about to say? Yeah, for Mike, Michael? Uh, be, just because um, the games cover so much of his story, I, I really like Nathan Drake. I'm a huge Anina Jones fan, so I've always been a fan of him. But but really, I didn't care as much about him until the fourth game. If anyone's played the fourth in, or Uncharted game, it, it covers like three important parts of his life, I guess. You still need it's, to play that. It, it's, it's so... You just connect so much more with the character in that fourth game that... It made him my favorite character, despite like, despite me always liking him. I didn't. He wasn't my favorite, but yeah, definitely with Uncharted Four, it like shot him into the stratosphere for me. Oh, okay. Does it um, those that those aspects of the fourth game? Does it tie back to uh, the first three? That in in the way that um, you know it, it it explains some of his his decisions or the way he is in those Absolutely. past games. Absolutely, yeah, it really does. Yeah. So re so have you replayed those games since playing number four? No, I haven't. I was I was waiting to for those kind of HD re releases, and but I just never got around to playing them. I think Tyson, you have them, don't they? Don't yeah, you? I I played them all in order because I never played uh, <laughs> Uncharted when they first came out. Yeah, I and played them all got, when they came out. I got the Nathan Drake collection and marathon through all of them, and then played a Thief's End, and oh. it was it was really good. It'd be yeah, really interesting. You, pro- you probably got sick of climbing after by the end of it, but uh... <laughs> it, it'd be interesting, uh, Michael, to hear your take and and Tyson yourself as well. Um, your take on on the character as you're playing through one, two, three, with everything that you know, you know that's about to be re- revealed or whatever. It'd be it'd be interesting to see like your your first right. playthrough versus a replay. Well, the the thing about the Uncharted games is each successive game. It doesn't pull... They're their own adventures. They're kind of their own standalone stories. They're not building to anything. Oh, okay. So, because it's inspired by Indiana Jones, where each Indiana Jones movie is its own standalone story, but it certain aspects of the character grow with each movie. But um, as far as, like, oh, cliffhanger, what's going to happen next time? That's not a thing. So... Yeah. Uncharted... Okay. What, what, the reason Uncharted 4 is is so good for me is because it, it, it tells my favorite story of Nathan Drake. Mm. Uh, and But it, it doesn't, like, improve the previous games in a huge way just because it's not 
it's not like a continuing story. It's not like, you know, the the Avengers movies that build to this big right thing. You know what I mean? Okay. Or like Star Wars, the original trilogy or something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Tyson or David, favorite character? Or one of? Um, hmm. It's tricky because a lot of the characters, like, I think about are characters that aren't necessarily, like, great characters in, like, a narrative sense, right? They're not, like, you know, they're not, they wouldn't necessarily make great main characters in, like, a movie or a TV show or, like, a book or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about them is... What are some examples? Okay, so the biggest example that sticks out of my mind is, is Samus from the Metroid series. Mostly I'm talking about, I mean, yeah, the 3D ones, too. Actually, I guess all of them, really. Maybe not another M. Yeah. A, a game no one should play. Um, Doesn't that anyway, one have the most story? Doesn't it have, like, cutscenes and stuff? It does. Um, anyways, no, what I like about Samus as a character is that everything you know about her... Like, you, you say, oh, like, the beginning is, like, a little, little, like, oh, yes, I was sent to go do this, whatever. Like, that's completely irrelevant. Like, what you get of, of Samus as a character is... You're playing her just going down into these dangerous alien worlds full of monsters and just horrific things and stuff. But it's not a horror game. It's like, a, you know, an action platformer because you're just like bravely going through, you're exploring, you're finding things. For example, like um, the backstory... Uh, is that like Ridley, the big pterodactyl, fire-breathing pterodactyl, is the one who killed Samus's parents and like killed all her like the people who like the colonists of the planet where she used to live or whatever. And when you fight, when you find Ridley, you don't like, oh no, I'm scared. No, you just shoot a ton of missiles in his face <laughs> because Samus is like, it's like focused and determined and doesn't let anything hold her back or stop her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's just going down to these plants completely alone to like single-handedly take out some galactic threat now and again, like alone with basically minimal equipment and just goes in. Um, and obviously that's like, if you think about that as a story, like, obviously, like, that's a common, like, video game thing, right? Oh, yes, you're the sole protagonist. But, like, Metroid was one of was one of the first games of that, and it's continued being the same. But, like, that idea of, I don't know, I, I think that that's, like, it's, that's the thing, right? Is that some games you are controlling a character, like in Uncharted, Nathan Drake, like, you're not nathan drake you're controlling him and he's having his own story but some games you know like halo or skyrim or metroid you are embodying this character right you are yeah in a in a in a different way like you are making you know what i mean yes you're yeah you're being you're immersing yourself in that character and putting your mark on the world as opposed to Nathan Drake, which is a, a straight cut story. It's more like you're acting else. as Nathan, you're, you're acting out scenes. Mm-hmm. And, it, and that, that happens to me a lot when I'm playing certain games is when I when I'm playing 
Uncharted or uh, or like Red Dead or something like that, where I'm playing a specific character, and they like have talking lines and there, there's certain things that they need to do. I I I find myself playing in a more like I'm trying to be perfectionist. I'm trying to do things the way I think that character would act. Mm. Whereas when I'm playing like Skyrim or Halo or something like that, and a game where you kind of are that character a bit more, I act how I would act. You know what I mean? Yeah. At least that's how that's how I play. Like I know a lot of people are like they jump into gta and they just wreak havoc but for me when i'm playing when i was playing gta 5 who has like three separate characters each character i would play them based on how i think their characters would act in that situation you know what i mean oh yeah for sure that makes sense um yeah that makes sense uh tyson so so characters are are hard for me (laughs) because there's so many characters that i've played that I enjoy. Um, um, so one of my uh, one of the characters that I found most entertaining, I guess, as as a player, is um, Atreus in the new, like in the God of War reboot. Mostly because he's a character that you, you know, he's like he's your son, so he embodies a lot of the what I assume are fatherly emotions. I guess is the way to put it. Where, you know, sometimes you can be really proud of your son and sometimes he can really piss you off and sometimes he can just be a massive disappointment. And, you know, you kind of experience all those emotions through Kratos's eyes. Um, but the thing that really stuck out to me was how they managed to fluctuate Atreus's character between being like a really fun, useful, you know, kind of helpful character to... Oh my God! Will you please shut the fuck up? I don't care. <laughs> and then going back to oh, this is a really cool character. And then going back to shut the hell up. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> just in how he, how his personality develops through the game. Um, so like that's definitely one of the most interesting characters for me, at least as like on a player level. On a story level, though, my favorite character in any game is um, is Kreia from Knights of the Old Republic Two. Uh, and I would even say, like, like that's definitely my favorite Star Wars character, without a doubt. Um, and Knights of the Republic 2 is one of my favorite, actually my favorite Star Wars story. Uh, Kreia is, is an interesting Star Wars character because when I watched the Star Wars movies, there was a very clear defined line between good and bad. Right. Like Luke is good. Darth Vader is bad, but then kind of turns good. The Emperor is just straight bad. Um, so, you know, there's a very clear defined line, at least in the original trilogy and maybe not so much in the prequels, but, you know, it's still kind of there. Um, Knights of the Republic 2 says, you know what? Fuck the line. It's stupid. It's dumb. Get rid of it. Uh, here's some gray Jedi, you know to give you the idea of maybe there's like, you know, a balance, which is how they introduce Kreia, of course, where she's, you know, she's teaching you certain, certain things that can happen from either good actions or bad actions. Um, One of the situations that sticks out to me in my mind all the time 
is when you first land on Narshada, there's a, uh, as soon as you land, there's a beggar that comes up and asks you for money. And if you give him money, Kreia uh, criticizes you for giving him money because what will happen is you see the character with the money like run away really happily and then get robbed by another poor person because <laughs> he has money, right? And Kreia's like, you know, just n- n- being the generous person isn't always the right thing to do. On the other hand, if you're playing as a dark side character and you don't give the person money, that person then goes and robs somebody else with money and gets killed. Oh my god. So, no matter again, what you do. Again, you get criticized by Kreia for doing the wrong thing. Um, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's that's the thing that really intrigued me about Kreia's character is that there's no there's no right way to handle that situation for her. Uh, and I'll explain more about that later on in the podcast when we talk about our favorite story because there's a whole reason behind that for her character uh that i'm going to delve into later i could talk about kreia and knights of the public 2 for fucking hours <laughs> it's my favorite it's my favorite thing hmm. all right um well i mean that's uh there we go next question is exactly that what is your favorite story in a game anyone want to start we better start with Tyson because I think he's already got his answer. He does seem pretty yeah, answered. Yeah, so the transition here. So uh, I don't. I don't think any of you have played Knights of the Old Republic two, right? No. No, I'm a. I don't know why. I think. I don't. I, I really, honestly, don't know why I never played those games. I think I just missed the boat, and they, they've been too daunting for me to get into. I tried getting into the first one, but then I got distracted with uh, Red Dead. Here's the thing: Knights of the Republic one, in my opinion, has a weaker story. Um at least a lot of the elements of the plot are kind of predictable. And I mean, it's a, it's still a good game. It's just, uh, Knights of the Republic two has everything I've heard. Everyone's always said Knights of the Republic one is the better one. I disagree with that because it's gameplay. It was a, it was a finished game. Yeah. I heard that. I heard that KOTOR two, they didn't, it was like rushed. Yes. KOTOR two was definitely rushed. But the story is substantially better, even if it was a rushed game, which is really surprising, honestly. Um, so the the basic idea, I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to spoil it because you kind of have to. to <gasps> no! <laughs> Spoiler I'm gonna, alert I'm to anyone myself. who hasn't played it. Are you but actually? Oh my God, you did. <laughs> okay. Basi- basically, uh, the way... The way the story plays out is this lady, Kreia, you meet at the start of the game. You find out that uh, she's Force-sensitive, and then you find out through her that you are also Force-sensitive. And, you know, you kind of go around and you explore, and, you know, if you go light side, you learn things uh, from Kreia's perspective about the light side. And if you go dark side, you learn things from Kreia's perspective about the dark side. Because, surprise fucker, she's done both of them. Um, she's been both a Jedi master and a Sith Lord. And she, you know, she kind of gives you the, uh, the experiences from both sides of the equation, uh, which is really interesting because you find a character that's a Sith Lord that you don't immediately despise because she was a Sith Lord. You know, she, she explains that to understand the force fully, you have to understand both sides of it. Um, Hmm. sounds a little bit like Qui-Gon. A little bit, yeah. Qui-Gon was definitely, uh, you know, a, more of a, a neutral kind of Jedi. Um, the interesting part happens when 
you get to a certain point near the end of the game where uh, if you are on the light side, the mission of the game is to go to specific planets and find Jedi members from the council and bring them back to Dantooine. Mm-hmm. Um, if you play as a dark side character, your mission is to kill all the Jedi masters oh. and then go back to Dantooine. <laughs> so if you go light side, um, you get interrogated by the Jedi council and they tell you all about the origin of your character and then they try to strip you of your connection to the Force because of a very important aspect of your character. Huh. Um, and then Kreia jumps in and intervenes and kills all of the Jedi Council. Uh, if you're dark side, you go to the Council Chambers and find that there's no one there because you've killed them all. And she explains to you how... Uh, you know, they, She explains the same sort of important plot detail about your character that you would learn as a light side person, but, you know, from a dark side perspective. And, uh, and then she basically, in either case, she explains how the force is a terrible thing because, uh, you learn that she hates the force because she hates the idea of having a predetermined destiny for everybody. She wants, uh, to live in a world where, uh, you know, you aren't born and then, you know, you're force sensitive and the force kind of controls what you do, right? You may have some say, you think, but really the force is implementing these, like it's forcing these decisions on you and it's controlling how you, you know, how you act and how you behave. So she wants to use your character to kill the force, which is Uh, uh, the coolest (laughs) Star Wars concept. It's hard to explain without actually having played the full game. Huh. Uh, but basically that's like, that's why it's one of my favorite star Wars stories is it brings this whole new concept of, you know what? Maybe the force isn't that great a thing. You know, it kind of forces people to live their lives in specific ways. So it makes you and, think then that's why you like it because it makes you, it, it, it changes your perspective of the actual, of what you've been told through the movies and you have to exactly. actually think for yourself. Exactly. It gives you the the sort of idea of um, of independence, I guess, would be the, mm. the main motifs. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say about the story. So Michael can come back. Yeah, there he oh. is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I survived. <laughs> you did. But yeah, that's that's really my 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 favorite Star Wars story for sure, because of of that, the way it, it plays out. Cool. Um. Favorite stories? Uh, I really enjoyed Mass Effect 2. The way it all kind of came together. When you uh, kind of connecting individually with each of these characters in like in a deep way. And then bringing them into this final battle where they all get killed off. <laughs> was was very effective. And then I never finished Mass Effect 3 and I never played Mass Effect 1. So Mass oh, Effect 2 was kind of its own Mass thing Effect for 1? me. No, no, I didn't have an Xbox 360 when it came out. Um, I, I'm, 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 I've played. I think the only Mass Effect game I've played more than once is Mass Effect One. Have you um, played three? I, I more than once. I've, I've played all of them. I, I haven't played three more than once. Okay. Um, I really like Mass Effect One. Um, it's not my favorite video game story, but I, I do enjoy it. Um. I mean, it is kind of, in a way, like a classic story quote-unquote you know like it's not like there's yeah. too many big surprises but it's just uh 
I don't know. I just enjoy it. It's an epic sci-fi adventure. Yeah, it's they an epic really sci-fi adventure. Um, and you feel like you're controlling it to a certain extent. Yeah. You know? I think that my favorite uh, story in a video game, uh, my, also my favorite video game, is Chrono Trigger. Hmm. Um, you, you, and you control time or something, right? Not really at all. It's... Okay. Okay. Um, I know very little, if anything, about it. Briefly... <laughs> Chrono Trigger, yes, is a game about time travel. Big surprise. Um, but it's like, you play these characters in, I guess you could say, sort of um, like typical like Japanese RPG characters. Like fantasy Japanese RPG characters. And then it's like, oh wait, time travel. So there's different eras that you end up kind of bouncing between in this big adventure that basically you're like this big story you're figuring out what's going on across different time periods and you end up going to slowly figure out what the heck is going on mm. because you're like traveling back and forth through time so you end up in there's the year 1000 not related to our real lifetime but there's the year 1000 which is like kind of like it's like, you know, medieval-ish, but I guess slightly more futuristic because they have, like, you know, mechanical stuff and, and guns and stuff. So more steampunk, maybe? Maybe a little more steampunk. No steam, though. Okay. Um, but, yeah, kind of, like... And then there's the year 600, which is, like, the Middle Ages, you know, knights and monsters and stuff like that. And then there's the, the post-apocalyptic future... Which is like full of robots and destroyed cities, uh, and you're trying to figure out like what caused this apocalypse and um, and how you can stop it. And you end up going back to like prehistory, like you know, like millions of years ago, whatever, when like humans were just like primitive cave people and stuff, and like when all of this stuff started in terms of whenever all of the main plot line thread stuff got started but the most interesting time period is like the year like minus 1200 minus 12,000 like 12,000 b well they say bc but it's not you know obviously whatever uh where it's like this super high-tech advanced civilization Whoa. living on these floating islands above like an ice age planet or the, like the, the world's in an ice age hmm. but like there's this advanced there's a precursor civilization from before the Ice Age? Well, no, like, they... Well, it's unclear, but, um... Oh, are they aliens? No, no, they're not aliens. Um, oh. I feel like to say more would be to give away that... Well, no, okay. So, the whole thing is... Anyways, it's really good, and it's got... It's full of great characters, great memorable <laughs> characters, like a frog who is a knight. Well, he's he's a knight who got turned into a frog. Uh, and you've got a robot from from the post-apocalyptic future, and you've got um, like a cave woman. Uh, so it's it's fun, huh. cool. and it's it's actually like just like a genuinely like got a lot of heartfelt kind of despite like its crazy like premise. Uh, it's got a lot of heartfelt moments and. Mm -hmm. But it's all like just like text based, right? No, no, no. It's like a. Super Nintendo. 
Uh, sorry, what I meant was there's oh, no, yeah, there's voice, no, acting no or voice No yeah. audio. Subtitles. Yeah. Okay. Have to check it out. I think you should. Um, okay. So let's. Uh, so we've covered favorite video game characters, uh, favorite stories. So well, I kind of said I like Mass Effect. I think okay. one of my favorite stories is um, my my favorite. It's not my favorite story. <laughs> I don't have a favorite story, but. My favorite weird story games is um, Spec Ops: The Line. Okay, what is that? Has anyone played that? I've heard about it. Spec Ops: The Line is a game where you're these like U.S. Marines, and you you get dropped off in Dubai, where there's been like a massive sandstorm that's basically destroyed the city, and. Uh, you basically go around trying to figure out what happened, try to save. You're, you're there to save people, but you end up getting pulled into like these, like there's like all these different armies there. They've gone rogue, and um, like there's these, there's like these U.S. Uh, army guys who have kind of gone rogue and start looting the city and kind of starting up their own kind of thing. And it, you get into this like super moral gray, morally gray areas in order to survive and like defeat the bad guys but it ends up that you're kind of the bad guy in the end and mm. it's it, it's very like political it's a very political kind of gray kind of like sad story that you don't expect to see from a video game especially and it's it's kind of it you know it's it comes out of that time where we were getting lots of those kind of like modern military shooters right but it's it's like a it's like a it, refutation it, of all of that yeah, it's 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 kind of parodying it in a way, that in a way, but like in a more serious way. I don't, what's the what's like a, a serious parody like a a critique? A critique. Yeah, it's critiquing that those kinds of games and and yeah, it's very very good. I recommend it to anyone that wants a an interesting story game built into just your your typical cover third person cover shooter. <laughs> okay. Huh. All right. Um, those are quite the variety of games there, or uh, stories anyway. Um, mm-hmm. There's a so, big variety of games that can be, of stories that can be told in video games. That's right. So, <laughs> with the with video game characters and stories and the whole variety, um, clearly there's reasons why you like those characters or those stories. So personally, what um, what do you think a video game needs to to have a good story, or what makes a good story? uh in video games mm. um because you know b- between between writing a book or making a story for a video game um you know the story might be the same but but they mm. might also be different and because of the different mediums it might the story might change because of it so is there are there thoughts on that uh, i i got i got some um i think one of the most important things to a video game story is the beginning of it um speaking from personal you know like the games that i've liked versus the games that i maybe haven't liked um if that if if i'm not invested in your story in the first hour or two i'm not going to finish the game it's just that's just how it's going to be like um one of the big things for me is uh, is far cry where i played the first Far Cry game I played was Far Cry Four, and I really did. I like. I really enjoyed it. I got really into it. The story was pretty cool. Um, the gameplay was nice. So you know, 
I I pretty much 100%ed that. And then I was like, oh, I should play the other Far Cry game. And I loaded up Far Cry 1 and realized that it was pretty much the same story. I was like, well, I've already played this. So I stopped playing that, and then I played Far Cry 2, and played for that played that for like an hour and i was like oh this is this pretty much the same story too it's the same sort of formula and, <laughs> uh, that that really put me off and then you know far cry 5 came out and i was like oh maybe i'll give it a chance and the same damn thing happened where <sighs> you know it's the same kind of predictable plot line that they just keep recycling and i don't know why uh wait you never played far cry 3 the most famous one i don't think i have no <laughs> or if Far Cry Three is the one with the the um, what's his name? I I don't remember the guy's name, but that's like uh, the most famous Far Cry game. Is Far I Cry think 3. I know who you're talking about. Um, I have not played that. I've I kind of want to play Blood Dragon because I feel like that seems like an interesting, different kind of concept. Uh, uh-huh. It's just a matter of picking up the will to play another Far Cry game. <laughs> okay, so the first um, so the first so, hour or so. Yeah, basically, if it. Your story has to be engaging to me early on, because if there's no reason for me to want to continue the story, then why would I want to keep playing the game, right? Fair mm-hmm. enough. That's why stories are so important to games. In to certain games, is that it real it pushes you forward through through like longer kind of games. Because I feel like. I get sick of games that are. I've never been a, a huge fan of like just you know your simple arcade kind of game. I do en- enjoy arcade games, but as far as like playing them for hours and hours and hours, eventually you you kind of like okay I get it. But a story can push you through repetition sometimes. Yeah, it can like really motivate you to like how is this going to conclude? Yeah, a good story has pushed me through bad games. Mm-hmm games that aren't fun Fair but enough, I'm, yeah. i care about the story and i care about the characters so much that I, I need to see how it concludes that kind of thing can i can i chime in with one really quick i just thought of a good example mm-hmm. michael said uh a really good example of that for me was the division okay where uh the division was the kind of game where you know you had different areas and it was pretty much the same the same shit in different areas over and over and over again the same sort of side missions uh but the thing that carried me through it was the story it was a really interesting story for me. It was like learning about how this whole smallpox em- epidemic started and who started it and why. Learning, you know, all the stuff about that. That's what drew me through the the rest of the game and what drew me towards getting all of the like all the collectibles because most of the collectibles were um, were like uh, backstory. So that's what really pushed me through that game. And then, of course, you get to the end game the division two or the division had no end game (laughs) so it faltered oh Um, (laughs) what do you mean it had no like there was no ending no there was an ending but then after the ending it was just like now what well like the division you should probably give some context the division was like that it's like uh it's one of those looter shooters yeah it's like kind of like destiny yeah Mm -hmm. okay so you know without a good end game what are you gonna do play a new game <laughs> yeah i i never get why people complain about like games having not the best end games because for me as soon as the credits roll i'm done with the game i don't touch it again but i know that a lot of people like to 100 percent games and that kind of stuff 
It's never been my thing. Yeah, well, think about it like an MMO. Mm -hmm. Those looter shooters are, I are mean, building off of MMOs. They, yeah. they insist that they're not MMOs, but they are 100% definitely MMOs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely, completely. I think the like, main difference is that you're first, first person. Out, like, it's not an MMO. It's an MMO. Definitely <laughs> MMO. And I think, I think the division is the same. I yeah. I'm coming off my my destiny experience here, but I think the division is the same. Yeah, where, I can definitely say that it's it's a very, it's extremely similar. Where like, you know, in an MMO, there's players have a certain expectation of like, oh, now that I've reached you know the highest stuff, now it's time to do the real like the big difficult danger thing, right? Oh, there's this raid or i don't know mission that's super hard that now i can do yeah. because i'm the max level and i guess that's what people mean when there's no end game yeah there's okay. no like there's no content for someone who's just the top tier so maybe so so tyson was but saying that's not really story related yeah, here. so tyson was saying the beginning of the game needs to captivate you which makes sense if mm -hmm. you don't care about it till like three quarters of the game well self-explanatory um but from that discussion it almost sounds like um if the, I think if the game if the game isn't like it's almost I like hear. it's almost like the story and the game need to have need to be cohesive enough that if you finish the, the the story in the game you can't just the the you don't want the player to just sit there and go now what because they finished the story and see no purpose in your game. And I, I almost feel well, like they should be interconnected to the point where you should never yeah. reach that point of now what? Now what do I do? There's no reason for being because I finished the story. Yeah, well, I think that it, I think that it goes like this, right? Is that some games are some games are their story, right? You know, like Mass Effect or Uncharted. Uncharted. Or, I mean, even a game like, you know, the Halo single player, right? It's like you beat, you finish the game and finish the story. Like, it's the same thing. But then other games, Games you know, with open worlds need, a, need an end game. Yeah, exactly. A game with, like, an open world is a different story. Mm -hmm. um, I think another thing a game story has to have is that depending on, on how the game is built and how it's laid out, it has to have, the pacing has to be different than a, some other kind of medium because depending on how your game is laid out the player might not get to the next like chunk of it right un like until later for example right it's like um okay so another example chrono trigger so the game to to tyson's point it has like a strong start because you you go and you're at this oh it's the millennial fair yay everyone's celebrating oh Oh, let's go to this. Oh, look, my friend is showing off this weird teleportation machine she's created. Okay. Here, a person I've just met. Oh, she's going off and she has this weird, uh, like, necklace or whatever. And then because of the necklace, the machine uh, malfunctions and she vanishes. She doesn't, get, she doesn't get teleported to the other side of the teleporter. Oh, no. And it's like, uh, shit. And then you're like... <laughs> okay i'll go see what happened so you grab the necklace that she dropped and you go into the teleporter with the necklace and it ends up surprise surprise it's chrono trigger sending you back in time mm -hmm. <laughs> um but it's like it's like you kind of like this you kind of draws you in with this mystery like 
what's going on with this with this necklace like where where she go what's going on here um right but then it's like you you get plopped down and you're in the middle of like a rpg you know wilderness right it's like oh no i need to get through this mountain and they keep getting attacked by monsters um and what Chrono Trigger does is that oh shit uh one second i knocked something over <laughs> that, over. that's that's part of that's part of the mystery right it's like you're like wait i was just at like a festival and now i'm in the mountains somewhere and i'm being attacked by like gremlins like what what's going on here right so the pacing uh it needs it need, what information is presented at what time and what happens uh, uh you know so quickly or so slowly has to cater to to specifically the video game whereas the player might not get to it like right away but in a movie yeah. it's like hey we have we just it's just going to happen you have no control but the player can actually say i'm going to go through this door in 20 minutes or right now yeah and the exactly. story still no. needs to work you know i'm going to just run around through this level endlessly or am i just going to run right through the level and get to the next chunk Right, mm-hmm. and some that games, game. some games that kind of running around, you spend so long at it that you forget what's happening in the story. Yeah, exactly. Also, so um, that's, for, that's for like in Diablo three, in Diablo three, me and my friends were playing it together. It was like three of us, and actually, it happened in Borderlands as Borderlands two as well. Um, both those games kind of are kind of big looter kind of games. Yeah. And you spend a lot of time just kind of killing creatures to get loot, and you're going looking at your loot, figuring out what's better, having fun with your friends while you do it. And then you get to a story part, and we're all like, "Wait, what's happening again? Mm-hmm. Who's this? What? What? It was literally three hours ago that we had our last story thing because we just spent so long in that cavern, and now I have no idea what's happening." So, so both those games, I, I, I really don't, didn't enjoy. Actually, I never finished Diablo three. And I found Borderlands 2 to be kind of a slog by the end because we were enjoying the game. We were having a fun time, but we had no idea what was happening in the story. We were completely lost. So I think, I think um, you know, as we all know, the, the video game genre, video games as, as a thing, haven't been around forever, haven't been around for very long. And, and, you know, boundaries are still being pushed and developers are always figuring out what can and cannot be done and is it is it well done or whatever and and the 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 genre is constantly evolving right whereas movies or books i mean they've they've been explored and they are set basically right we know how to make movies and whatnot but video games are still always evolving and i think that's part of it is especially when you're doing a story people are still figuring out what the best way to lay it out is Um, and i think part of Maybe like in in open worlds, like what you're saying, uh, Borderlands or Skyrim. I find myself, you know, you know, I'll play Skyrim, and but unless you're playing the whole, uh, you know, whatever quest you're playing, whether it's a full storyline or the or a side quest, unless you play it all uh, straight through, yeah. real quick, you know, in one session, and you're paying attention, you'll forget. <laughs> and it's and yeah, and there was times like, in Skyrim where are I was you? like, what, what? I don't even care anymore, and you'll <laughs> I, move on. What was this quest line? Exactly. I didn't actually, I didn't actually beat the main storyline for Skyrim for like five years. Same, same here. So I <laughs> because just I would get play it, play a bunch of the side missions, and then never finish the main story. And then I'd play it and 
same thing. Play a bunch of the side missions, never finish the story. It took me five years to actually say, you know what? I should probably actually beat this game. <laughs> same thing for me. And see, and and for a story for a game like Skyrim or Borderlands or something, where like there's, I guess there's two sides of it. One, yes, it's it's a lot of fun. To, it's open world, so the player you allow the player to just explore and do whatever the heck they want. But these games also have a lot of work put into their stories and backs backstories and and lore and stuff. So. The fact that players can so easily just forget about it or get confused and not care anymore uh, seems to be a uh, something that that I don't know. It needs something needs to change maybe in the in the way we deliver that, but no one's figured out how to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I I think I think that's right. Like, yeah, definitely. Like, Skyrim's a good example of a game that has a has a a story that they made. But really, it has a story that you create, mm-hmm. right? And it's the story that you create for, I think, a lot of players is a lot more interesting and exciting than whatever, like, oh, you got to go save the thing from the... It's like, ah, but I want to just kind of wander around and see what's what, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. But I think... So what... Uh, I, I, Yeah, so, guys, what are some games that you played that have told stories in like an interesting way or like an unusual way i mean uh, do you want me to rant about kotor for 20 minutes no no no, no. Um, i'm not talking about having i'm not talking about having an unusual story i'm not talking about like a story that has unusual twists and turns i'm saying like an unusual method of storytelling um well i mean i, so, I guess the story the story yeah. is very basic but way at the beginning is the original legend of zelda which has like little to no story it's basically hey you're playing as this dude go go explore the world right right, right. um so i mean yes it, so you you could you could blame blame quote unquote uh that method or presentation of the story as as the beginning of video games really and people are just well, figuring it out but well, you don't see that very often I mean, Zelda anyway. has, like, a little prologue that explains what's going on. True. And also, people do talk in the world. Although, not really. They basically give you little hints where secrets are. But yeah, but, right. I mean, I you're mean, right. in terms of just the story, you're bas- all you know, really, is that you're, you're this guy, and you, you get a sword from an old dude, and then go fight a, yeah. go fight a guy. Like, it's, it's super simple, but it, I, I don't know if that was... It's, I think it's both a mixture of... of the beginning of video games and just how to how do you present a story in this meet new medium and um and them doing it on purpose so that you the player are just just are curious and go explore um but just that's just an interesting way because when you think about story games you don't often think of hey just be it's more yeah. it's more what we've been talking about of, of uncharted or skyrim where the story is laid out and you're this character and this is what you must do you know yeah mm-hmm. i think another another example which maybe takes it even further is maybe not maybe it takes it less far in that direction but also more far i'll explain hyperlight drifter is a game with not a single word of dialogue okay. not a single word of explanation anywhere in the game mm-hmm. it is told the story is told entirely through uh con- through there's like an opening cutscene 
where something happens that is not really, you don't really understand what the heck is going on at the beginning. And all of the characters you encounter, they tell their own little stories through just pictures. Okay. And you're just, everything you're experiencing is like on this, there's no like words. Like, I think that like in general, if I may take a moment to talk about words for a moment, <laughs> words are like we have are like this divide between the idea of the thing and the word is just like communicating to us that idea. So there's this kind of separation that we don't often think about <clears throat> between the idea and us, which is a word is in between there. Uh, and like Hyperlight Drifter kind of like sort of circumvents this by there's like there's, there's no words, there's no nothing there's no talking there's no dialogue it's all just like symbols and it's like oh yes you gotta there's this you're looking at this image and you're trying to each of the triangles gets filled up when you get to a different area and you complete the thing it's like you, you you're in your brain you get to you begin to like just sort of you don't put words to those things it's just in your brain it's like oh yes the triangles but you're not thinking about it in words it's just like triangles it's like right. oh yes you got the triangles you got the little thing bobs when you pick up from up come up from enemies and everything's just the whole story of the game is just communicated through this i don't know like this wordlessness that's really interesting so i mm -hmm. guess and it's it's it gives the player a, a way to um interpret it how they f how they want yeah um, exactly so like you know in a, in in later Zelda games, you know, it's like, oh, Link, like game, this the is the Triforce. You must do this because you have the courage. Whereas Ganon has the, you know, and all that, and you you're just being ex exposition, blah 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 blah. And this is what it is. Whereas it sounds like in Hyperlight Drifter, um, you know, that thing is is like has a name and it is one thing. But the player, as an individual, can be like can interpret that as as their own thing whatever they feel like it might be yeah mm -hmm. okay so it, it it's almost like an open world but in the story to for I mean, you to explore kind of, <laughs> it is kind of an open world you know what i mean in a limited sense <laughs> yeah yeah would it's, you guys say that minecraft has a story i think to some extent well yeah. i think minecraft the I, I don't know how it is anymore but uh when, yeah, when, it's always changing. Yeah, when we used to play it when we were kids, you know, it's 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 kind of like the Skyrim thing where you create your own story. However, in Skyrim, there's a bunch of people and stories and already there mixed in with whatever you want to do. Whereas Minecraft is literally you sitting there and you do every anything you want. So you are creating your story. There is no there's nothing yeah. I mean, um, there is a there is a you. canon there is a canon end game and that's fighting the Ender Dragon. Yeah, but, but that's like a thing that they added later. Yeah, that and, wasn't and, and to be fair, that's that's just a that's just a, a a personal goal for you. You don't have to do it. It's just no. an option. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, yeah, for some reason, I, I, a lot of people when they're thinking about story games, you don't think of Minecraft because like, oh, Minecraft doesn't have a story. They literally made. Minecraft, what was it, story mode or adventure mode, like this story other game that has like a story because people are always like joking, oh, Minecraft doesn't have a story, but... It does. And it still doesn't. <laughs> I, I, I found that Minecraft some of my most like engaging moments in gaming was was 
playing Skyrim the first few weeks and just like the stories we were telling at school about what happened to us. And then, uh, and then that fateful day when, you know, you could play multiplayer and you could j create a server and get into with each other and tell all these stories together. I think, I think one of the biggest interesting things that will happen in games uh, once we reach kind of that, you know, ready player one future where you're kind of fully in the game is that it's just going to be just this like weird dreamlike otherworldly version of life where you're just interacting with things and it's the interaction that creates the story and not necessarily um scripted events. scripts and events mm -hmm. and stuff like that yeah what I do think you think that... i think I... I think story games will, will always exist but i think some of the more interesting stories of the future are going to be told um without those things yeah i think games like minecraft don't have a story they have many stories yes like, they have like i mean yeah I, I, just like just like the most just like the big chunk of any kind of open world game or anything like that where you're you're it's what are, there's a word for it like an emergent narrative oh maybe yeah i, I know there's a word for it yeah yeah like where, system it's all built around systems and yeah anyways there's a word for it but the emergent point is gameplay I, I, anyway, um, where the story that you're, you're just sort of doing something, right? You're like, you know what? I think I'm going to go over that way. I mean, even in, even Breath of the Wild, like Breath of the Wild has, is kind of the same kind of Skyrim thing where it has a story and it has cutscenes and stuff and a goal, but like the vast bulk of that game and the best parts of it probably are the parts where you're just kind of going. You're just <laughs> like, you know, which direction do you take? Oh, I choose to go this way and explore that thing. And you're just kind of having your own journey. Oh, no, it's raining and you're out of food and you have to, tr you know, you have to, you're trying to run away from this monster and then you end up getting into this little thing and then this happens and then you, you know, whatever, right? Like, it's your just sort of your adventures your yeah. I, I think and, that's and what that kind of, Go ahead. that's that's a kind of story that that only video games oh that's only games can give you can't right. have that kind of a story in you know a book or a movie or a tv show or yeah something like that. yeah because all, all that is the story there's no there's no way to deviate from it and even in video games, you know, the main storyline, you can follow it and there's no way to deviate from it. But there are things that can happen in between there that you, the player, had full control over and you made it happen. And it happened because you decided to do something different. Um, and I feel like something like Minecraft or, or, or Skyrim or something, you know, oh, yes, I was going i was you know hey michael i was playing skyrim yesterday and i ran over to riverwood but when i turned the corner there's a troll there and you know he smashed my face and and i had to you know do you know things like that were unexpected things because you made a decision as opposed to a movie where i mean there's everyone knows the story there is no difference yeah and i think the distinction is like you know like you can have 
you know, like, for example, uh, Uncharted. Like, you can make a movie easily out of Uncharted, but you couldn't easily make a movie out of Minecraft. They're doing it, though. <laughs> They're going to try. Yeah. <laughs> like Minecraft we'll see. For both of those. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Whatever this Minecraft thing ends up being, like, it's not going to be the stories that it's not going to be what makes minecraft interesting right they might who knows what the heck it'll be but mm -hmm. i think the they'll probably I be inspired know, by the lego movie yeah maybe the reason i know the minecraft movie won't be anything like the real experience of playing minecraft is because those stories the experience of playing minecraft it's not like an outwardly interesting story it's not like a like an exciting narrative necessarily not in the same way like it yeah it can be engaging and it's the, like oh man i've discovered this underground you know cave system and i'm exploring it's like i wonder what i'm gonna find oh i'm working on this i'm just oh i'm making this decision oh no this guy's here blah, blah, blah. right that's you don't reach the same emotional heights in uh, emergent stories yeah in games yeah. that like in normal everyday life it's rare that something epic happens or where you where some great trial reaches a great conclusion that's great for that that worked out perfectly you know life is yeah. kind of just happening and it's, you 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 pull together stories in it and, and in minecraft it's the same way minecraft is a lot like life in that way but um and that's why people like stories so much is that it pulls you out. It's escapism. It's it's telling you it's telling you a version of reality that where everything works in this heightened way, where emotions are just more powerful. You know, you have music that kind of builds on it, and you have these villains and that kind of stuff. So I think yeah. we can praise Minecraft a lot, but I think the story games will always have a place. Well, just, yeah, just like yes. movies will always have a place, and books I mean will. Here's the thing. I mean, yeah, it's undeniable. We spent a bunch of time kind of uh, ragging a little, not really ragging, but kind of really praising emergent stuff and kind of, I guess, by, you know, kind of implying that normal story games aren't as good. But the fact of the matter is that story games like Uncharted or, you know, like Mass Effect or, or those kinds of things where... Yes, you could take all of like the cutscenes and stuff and turn it into some kind of movie. Uh, but the story, like the game of it, when you're actually playing the character and you're actually like physically controlling them and doing stuff, mm -hmm. you feel connected to that character in a whole different way. And that's yeah, that's another thing that video games do. Josh yeah, when... just brought that up in the chat. He called. He said it's called Ludo narrative, using the experience of the player to give a greater impact to the story that other media can't convey. Yeah. Yeah. Bam. Yeah. It's Twitch true. Chat and, and, oh, the uh, the on Twitch, Twitch chat. probably. Twitch chat. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, um, is it? Do you ever feel like, um, like sometimes in a book, because you're do you're 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 even though you're not controlling the story. But you are controlling the pace almost. You're you you are reading actively reading the book. Sometimes the emotions are more intense than a movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that. so. I don't I mean, read much. So if you're really in I, the zone for the book, yeah. So I, 
I feel like with games, you're, it's it's a more intense version of that kind of feeling of reading because you're actually in control. And sometimes the story is already set. What's going to happen is going to happen, but you are the one that pushes that character to that point, and that that can be very emotionally gratifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only I thing I read so. is documentation, and that just frustrates me. So. <laughs> I think that I think that books do have, like, yeah. Books are also very different. That's this one. I don't know if we're here to talk about books, but books are also have something different about them than uh, mm-hmm. than movies. You know what? I, you know what we should do? We should um, books. We let's create. A, let's create books 2.0. <laughs> All right. Here's how. Here's how books 2.0 works. Um, you read, and uh, it. it the we we create a new piece of hardware that tracks your eyes, and it tells where you are on the page, and then it changes the music and the score. Whoa! Ba- and like the ambience and stuff like that, like the, all the sound experience based on where you are in the book. But and lights too you're... with smart lights and oh. lights, yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, dude! <laughs> but here's the thing with books, right? Is that you don't necessarily like I don't. I don't know about other people, but I don't necessarily like if I'm reading, I don't necessarily just like go through it. Just just kind of read through it. Sometimes I'll be like, wait, did I miss something? And I'll kind of check, like jump back and I'll like look at it. Yeah. And I'll... That's why we use this like. Um... So like the lights would be constant, like music and stuff would be constantly <laughs> changing as my eyes whipped around the page. <laughs> I, I think this is going to be the product that gets Sky Pyre. Uh, into the stratosphere. Oh, it's called, what are we? What are we gonna call it? We're gonna call it the uh, book uh, yeah, book, books it. 2.0. Yeah, books 2.0. Oh, God, <laughs> man, guys, the big thing is like, uh, yeah, everyone, uh, you know, man, now, now it, it's it's now gonna be flying to off the shelves. We'll just have to hire composers who can write uh, 28 hours worth of music. Oh, Michael, <laughs> Michael, you haven't read Lord of the Rings until you've read it in books 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Coming this fall. Uh, I, could, heard... I, I could smell the Hobbit's feet. If, uh... <laughs> you, you heard it here, folks. Oh, my God. If, if, I can, if I can bring us slightly back onto... Please do. Because I, I've been sitting on this thought for a while. Um, one of the things that I can't believe I'm going to say this, I have to give EA credit for, Dun-dun. is... They found a way to implement a story into a sport game. And they did it surprisingly well. Are you talking about the um, FIFA games? Yeah. The re- so recent FIFA the, games? The recent FIFA games really? have a story mode in it called The Journey, where you play as this uh, this soccer player named Alex Hunter, and you kind of like you play you follow his story as he, you know, plays professional soccer in like the Champions League or UEFA or I, I don't know soccer that well, so I'm probably butchering this. But um, basically, like, it's, it's, it's a concept that you would not put together. Like, you know, you got a sport game where you play soccer or hockey or football or whatever. And, yeah. you know, you're playing the sport. You're like, you know, you play as your favorite team. You try to beat your least favorite team. Maybe, you know, like, they kind of have, like, a su- subtle story mode in like be a pro where you can kind of create your own player and stuff but the journey is like i have to i really have to give ea credit for it because they were just like let's just try it and see what happens and it succeeded very well how does it work like 
it's my understanding that those those games, it's like you're controlling, like you're jumping from player to player, and you're so you have the a way more that zoomed out perspective. Has this the way that the journey works is you are playing the protagonist character Alex Hunter, and actually in the more recent games, you play as three protagonists that are all intertwined in the same story, which is just cool. just explain the story. Are they playing on the same team? No, they all play on different teams. But, like, but they're like, so one is, so you start off playing as Alex Hunter and you meet like his best friend that you can later play as. Uh, and then you meet uh, his sister in a future game that you can play as. And but the third like, game. what is it? Like, are you seeing cutscenes? Like, how does it? So yeah, you get, a, basically cutscenes that present like most of the story. Uh, and then you, there are certain choices you can make based on the personality that you want the character to have. So for Alex Hunter, you can have either a cool personality where he's like calm and collected and uh, humble, or you can get like a fiery personality where he's like really arrogant and um, and uh, like you know kind of like more of a more of a, a people like a fan a fan showy kind of person. Where if you play as like if you play as a cool, you um, you like you get more respect from like your team and your managers and stuff, but less fans like you. Like, you still have fans that like you, but not as much. Whereas if you're, like, a fiery personality, you get more fans, but your managers tend to not like you as much because, you know, you go on media and say, like, you know, dumb shit. Like, oh, we wouldn't have won the game if it weren't for me. Stuff like that, right? It's not really, like, being a team player. Right. Uh, so, so you can make that choice yeah. based on how you want to play and based on where you are and, like, what choices you make, it triggers certain cutscenes and stuff. But then to actually play the game, you go through certain events. Like you play actual soccer games, right? So, uh, you know, if you're playing for Manchester United, you know, you play through a Manchester United season as Alex Hunter and try to win whatever, like, whatever cup they get in that league. I can't remember. Um, so it's, it's, it's it's the kind of concept where you don't expect the two things to merge well, and they somehow found a way to do it where you get an actually really good investing story where you actually kind of care about this character and what happens to him, even though you know you're just you're just playing soccer. Hmm. So it's it's something that I really have to give EA uh, EA kudos for. Um, it's it's like one of the only things I can give EA kudos for. But the the fact that they were able to put a story into a sports game is something that I don't think I could have ever fathomed as a child. Because I play I've played NHL like every year since I could hold a controller. So like if 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 I went back to like like six or seven year old me and was like, hey, what if there was a, a game that had like a sports game that had a really good story? Actually this is a bad example because six year old me wouldn't give a shit, but you know, <laughs> I think for me, I never got into sports games because there wasn't a story, or at least not one I cared about. Mm-hmm. I never but... got into sports games because I was like, mm, "What? Who cares about sports?" <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Is there any volleyball games? I'd play a volleyball uh, game. Probably maybe, maybe... is. There's I'd... lots of beach volleyball games. That's true. I, I'd like a, a VR video volleyball game developer. Game. The video game development uh, universe is is mostly male dominated in history so you know beach volleyball games with chicks in bikinis of course it's going to exist <laughs> oh yeah what's that what's that one game called i don't know um oh i, I do like um i do want to play the skate games you know skate one two yeah. and three those have a story and stuff so i want to play that someday yeah and i will because um 
the uh, RPCS3. It's like a PlayStation 3 uh, emulator. They're, they've almost perfectly emulated uh, uh, the skate games now. And so I'll probably play them in like Super HD soon. Oh, do they have a story? I don't know. Find out next time <laughs> on... <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us on this edition of In No Particular Order. Um, this was very interesting uh, to hear everyone's perspectives on storytelling and what makes a good game, what was their favorite games and favorite characters. Um, so, And uh, everyone in chat, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next month. Bye. Bye.